pitch, and Wallace drills this one to deep right field. That's way back. Way gone. Walk off home run. Skyler Wallace and Alabama advances to the semifinals as that one went off of the SEC now set in right center field. The payoff to the SEC player of the year. Got her looking on the outside corner and the pitcher of the year goes nuts as Sarah Cornell strikes out Abby Cheek. Oh boy, what a moment for the Hofstra transfer and the side is retired. The 1-0 is drilled to deep center field. Way back, way gone. Get out the mustard and the rye bread. Grandma, it's a grand salami and we're tied up at five here in the top of the fifth inning. 23rd homer of the year for Bailey Hemphill. The sixth grand slam for the Tide and it's a whole new ball game. 1-0 to sides. This one is hit high and hard. Out to center, drifting way back. That ball is driven to deep left field. That's way back. We're gone. Another three-run homer for the Crimson Tide here in the bottom of the first inning. It's 6-0 Alabama. What a moment for the senior Mary Schroeder, and what a first inning for Alabama as Kelly Barnhill in what will probably be her final game at Florida has been chased in the first inning. Pitch to Hardy. That one is lined through to center field for a base hit. Go! Chloe comes home. The throw is through time. And Alabama walks it off. So a single by Caroline Hardy. And we're playing again in 30 minutes. Welcome in. We're back. It's the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury holding down the fort in the studio. Tom, how are you? You look you look slightly sunburned after this past weekend. Yeah, I was actually the the last game, the Oklahoma State game, is yeah. the game that really got us. And just the way our our seated was, I got some shadow. I got the uh, the shade from the the trees that you didn't get. So yes. I did get a little sunburn, but not like you did. My arms are a nightmare. Yeah, and it's not great. <laughs> Um, but it was it was a good trip overall. I had fun. Yeah, his overall. Uh, you know, there were times when I liked softball, and then there were times when I wasn't a big fan of softball throughout the entire weekend. We're yeah. going to talk about all of that. Yes, here yes. Tonight. Uh-huh. Before we go over the trip around the bases for this episode, we know it's a very quick turnaround. So a reminder to all of you: go check out the Caleb Bro episode. A lot of his stuff is outdated because a lot of games happen between them, but it's a good hang, and she was fantastic, and we had a lot of fun with her. And there's still a lot of stuff, especially the national stuff, that is still very relevant. And, you know, we just talked about the game in general a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, it's it's still a lot of really good stuff. And it's just cool to hear bro and to talk with her. That was a lot of fun. We we were gathered around a boardroom table. Yes. Great. We, we, a, we were wheeling and dealing. That's right. <laughs> I, I did not lose any money this time on an <laughs> Alabama softball trip. Well, good. Good for you. Yes. Uh, little victories, guys. All right. Our trip around the bases. We start at the plate. 
we're going to do a deep dive. We're going to talk about everything. There were successes. There were failures about this past weekend, especially the last couple weeks. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go over, as we advance to first, the remaining undefeated teams and all of the upsets. Tom, we are in the upside down. I'm just trying to avoid Demi Gorgons as I'm walking around at this point. There's there's white flecks just floating around. We will steal second with Sydney Little John and I'm excited to talk to her because Tom, Sid and I are working together now. I know. You're leaving me I'm okay. it's, all weekend sorry. long just to hang out with Sid. Yeah. And Bobo. We're oh, doing great. Good. It's a, just, it's a party in the TV booth. <laughs> and I'll be next door all by myself. It's okay. We'll set up a GoPro and see okay, what the footage good. looks like. <laughs> I don't think it'll be quite as exciting. <laughs> then we will round third. Big games this weekend. The Mary Nutter is happening. Auburn is playing basically all the top five teams. But there are also yeah, some I hope other they big enjoy games. that. Yeah, it should <laughs> go really great. There are some other big tournaments. We'll talk about those and what could be the most anticipated games this weekend. Then we will head home. We're going to do our SEC top five power rankings. We've got off the wall. We've got kind of a Tom's hungry, maybe. Yeah, I just we just haven't had a whole lot of opportunities because the main thing about Tom's hungry is it has to be a local establishment, not Chick-fil-A, right? Not Chick-fil-A. Although we dined at the slowest Chick-fil-A in, in the world and in, in Clearwater. But uh, so I just we haven't had just with the way the schedule has gone. We haven't had a lot of big opportunities to eat yeah. local. We will so, eventually. Hopefully. Yeah, it'll come around. We will also drop clues. You can get some koozies this weekend. Ooh, out of the box koozies. I'm not even sure. I don't even know the clues. You don't. I know. I, I've planned them in my <laughs> head. We'll talk about that later on. And we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show from there. Everybody, make sure you are following at out of the box underscore pod on Twitter. Lots of great content to come from there as well, including pictures from the weekends, thoughts, reactions, GoPros, all that stuff. Radio calls. We had some good GoPros. We had especially the Jenna Johnson catch over the over the temporary fencing in center field on my, field three. That was my favorite individual moment of yes, the whole weekend. One hundred percent. That was great. There were a lot of things that have happened in the last two weeks, and some are good, some are bad. But when you're dealing with a four and five team that's still in the top 10 and one poll that was released today and more will come out by the time all of you are listening to this and Alabama might not be in the top 10, who knows? But, you know, you're getting kind of a mixed bag. So we're going to do a deep dive. We're going to talk about everything. Nothing is off the table. Let's start with the good. The good from the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational is a three and two record. Now, because of when the losses happened, you kind of leave with a bad taste in your mouth. But overall, when we go over the official standings of the SPC Elite Invitational, three and two is not that bad compared right. to what other teams did. Yeah, there was there's a lot of parity. It was a, a lot of elite level parity. Mm-hmm. So you know, even really good teams came out of there roughed up. Florida State comes to mind at one and four. Crazy. After they looked absolutely unstoppable the week before in Tallahassee, so. That there was a lot of, like I said, really elite parity there. Yeah. You got a run rule win over Washington, which will uh, never get old. Tremendous. <laughs> Fantastic. And you got certain players really getting hot. Alexis Mack, 417 on the weekend. Kaylee Tao uh, started off really well. She kind of slowed down as the weekend went on. But KB Sides was at 400. Skylar Wallace at 400. We got the first Bailey bomb of the year, and she drove in a couple runs, hit over 300. So that was all good. And yeah. it was good to see certain players step up when they were asked 
when more was asked of them, like Skylar Wallace, when she was moved into the four hole. Yeah. And I thought it was great that we got to see kind of what we saw in fall and, and, and scrimmages with Alexis Mack. Yeah. You know, how we gave her the, the nickname that never gets out Alexis Mack. And, you know, she kind of started doing that as the, as the uh, tournament went on in Clearwater and really doing, and she's going to be asked to do even more as the lead off with Alyssa Brown out for a month and a half. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Alyssa Brown injury is not, in this section we'll get to that when we talk right. about the bad also situational hitting in the wins tom yes it was really great in the three wins alabama 17 of 41 with runners on base that's 415 that'll, that'll work, work. Uh-huh. nine of 25 with runners in scoring position that's 360 also really solid with two outs tom 13 of 27 for 41 that that is that is huge uh and it seemed like there was was it the South the USF game where everything happened with two outs? USF uh, the first Washington run was scored with two outs, so yeah, yeah, it, it happened all over. Yes, and it's real important to just extend those innings because you know a lot of even if you don't score, it helps to you know make the opposing pitcher throw more pitches. It makes them tire out quicker, and it gives you more opportunities when you can do do well, be successful with two outs. I've got two more things written down. The first, Abby Dor was cleared which yes. is always good. And now today she was actually able to practice on a field. Right. That's it, helpful. It should be noted. Her first field practice with team 24 was in Clearwater the night before the first game. Unbelievable. And by the way, hit a home run in, in her first game. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> proud of you, Abby. Right. And, the, and it's weird when you explain it to somebody that she was first able to practice and it wasn't, you know, because of weather, it wasn't even, outside she's first able to practice with the team on tuesday Mm -hmm. and started the game on thursday it's it's it's, it's amazing it really is it it shows that a the need and the position for alabama but also the talent that she has sure that she should come in and and make an immediate impact yeah and it was it was very much needed you had to have somebody other than bailey hemphill be able to to be behind the plate for you Uh, i think you even saw in the one game that bailey hemphill did catch she ended up hurting her finger and had to move to first base during right. that game anyway. You know, what if, what if that had happened and Abidor wasn't on the team? Skyler? You're looking at and me? I, right. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know, we were close enough. We might have been able to do it. <laughs> and I've also I've heard people ask about because they look at the roster and they see there's another catcher on the roster. But uh, Carla Heisch, the freshman, has come in uh, not available because of injury right now either. Yeah. So it was so vital that she was able to to get – cleared and to play in that in those games just and then the the experience that she got it's just so vital moving Huge. forward right yeah, again she wasn't they she played against both Washington and UCLA the only game that she had off for any amount of time was the USF game and then she ended up having to catch the final two innings of that one anyway yeah she's gonna get a lot of miles yes this year. the final really good thing SEC freshman of the week Lexi Kilfoyle was fantastic at the shutout of Washington and I think really announced herself as a really, really good pitcher against quality competition. Yeah. I mean, really just thinking back on the weekend, I can think of two poor pitches she had the entire weekend. You know, the home run and the wild pitch and late in the game against Oklahoma State. Other than that, I mean, she was just absolutely lights out against Washington. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be able to do that and get get probably the only triple she's ever had in her life <laughs> in that game, really great to see. And for her to be able to do that when on her homecoming weekend, just outstanding. Yes, thank you to the Kilfoyle family for welcoming us into their home 
and letting us drink their drinks and eat their food. Oh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we met a lot of cool people. The Kilfoyles are a good time. They are. <laughs> they they are. are a good time. Next time we'll go skiing in the little, You're right. whatever it's called, ravine. Looking forward to that. Yes, absolutely. I think we could fit a ski boat back Sure, there. absolutely. Maybe. Maybe. That's the good. Let's talk about the bad because it wasn't all great and you know when you've got a three and two record there are two losses there right we're not sunshine pumpers there is you know there's nobody that is um satisfied with the record as Mm -hmm. it stands right now there's obviously issues and we can talk about yeah let's do that because we always keep it real that's what we've always said even on the air yep we we keep it real and the biggest question tom is what in the world is up with montana fouts and we have heaped praise on montana since the first episode of this podcast ever. Yeah. But over the weekend, an 8.75 ERA in four innings, eight hits, six runs, four earned, seven walks, four strikeouts, and for the season, 4.88 ERA, 0-2. Both of those losses were in Clearwater. 14 and a third innings pitched, 16 hits, 12 runs, 10 earned, 15 walks, 13 strikeouts. That's not Montana Fouts. No, it's not. And if you would have told me before the season started, all right, give me a list of all the possible issues that could be on Team 24. A struggling Montana Fouts would not have been on that list anywhere near the top. Maybe not even Wouldn't the last have period. even been receiving votes for the top 25. Right. I think it was pretty obvious during the broadcast. We don't have an explanation for it. We don't. I've been trying to think about it, what it could be. Could it be kind of a weird year in terms of work and how much she pitched at certain times of the year maybe could it be the new catcher and I I don't blame Abby for that at all by any stretch of the imagination I saw some people doing that don't love that no um they they did seem off off the same page a couple times but again that's you kind of expect those growing pains you can blame the situation but I don't think you blame the players yes exactly was it I don't know what it was and I, I was kind of perusing through a couple of the old gifts I've got from last year and a couple of the clips and I think part of it is it's just a real struggle for her right now and it doesn't seem like she's having any fun because I was watching a gif of a, an interview in post game with Bailey Hemphill and in the background you see Montana goofing around having fun there was fire when she would strike people out last year in the women's college world series and in big games and it, there wasn't really fire against UCLA. She got a strikeout in the first inning, and it was more like, okay, whew, that's another person not about to get a hit or right. not about to walk or something. It's like she is pitching on eggshells right now, and that's shocking and not something I expected nor something she should do because she is too good for that. Right, and it's I can definitely see there may, may be an, an issue where she's feeling extra pressure. She's, you know, and Nick Saban's talked about this, that you sometimes when you reach a certain level – you're more relieved when you win than happy when you win. Yeah. You're just relieved to get past it and get on the next thing. And maybe she started using that, you know, and the off season, it was a different type of off season. You know, she played for team USA. She went to the Olympic trials. And then when those were over, she didn't pitch again. She didn't pitch all fall for Alabama. She didn't pitch until, you know, January, basically right. she didn't pick up a ball. And while that might, may have been good physically for her, just maybe just, you know, it's out of her off-season routine. It's out of what she's always done. So uh, that could be it. But the the thing is, and, you know, sometimes logic doesn't come into it when it's a mental issue. But, you know, logically, she should be pitching freer than she's ever pitched because she has set, there's such depth on this pitching staff, it's not all relying on her. Right. 
you know, if, you know, it, it's not, if Montana Fowles doesn't go out and pitch a, you know, a one hit shutout, Alabama loses. Alabama has a really good offense. Alabama has a lot of depth in the pitching circle. And, you know, if, if she has an off day, somebody like Lexi Kilfoyle or Sarah Cornell can come in and Alabama's going to be fine. So I, so I'm not sure why you'd be feeling the extra pressure when you shouldn't at this point. Right. And, you know, we are in a position where we are with the team and we hear all the things that are said in the buses after games, wins and losses. And it, it just seems like Montana needs to remember that she is Montana. Yeah. And I'll read to you her stats through two weekends last year. 4-0, 27 innings pitched, 16 hits, two runs, one earned, zero walks, 33 strikeouts. That's the real Montana. The real sure. Montana is the one from the Women's College World Series that we saw. And, and I don't think that these early season results should make her doubt herself. They should instead motivate her, and I hope they are, to be even better and say, you know what, screw this. I'm yeah. tired of losing, and I'm tired of walking people, and I'm tired of throwing first pitch balls to seven of the first eight batters against UCLA. I think the first seven batters, actually. And just come out fired up and ready mm-hmm. to go. And I hope we see that this weekend. I think we will. I anticipate we will because the competition is not as high as it was the last couple of weeks. But who knows? We'll, we'll get that answer Friday or Saturday. Well, here's the thing. You know, the, the competition level is not at the anywhere near what it has been the last two weeks. But these other three teams coming in, Wichita State, Louisville, and Penn State, they have seen what's been happening with Alabama. Yeah. And they probably think, of, you know, they're thinking to themselves, this is our chance. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're scuffling a little bit. Now's our opportunity to come, come to the Rhodes house and make our mark and turn our season. Because everybody coming in is under 500 in this tournament. It, but, but they, you know, Louisville especially, you know, and not other than Alabama – had pretty good expectations for this season. You know, Louisville's probably thinking, if we go in here and beat Alabama at least once this weekend, you know, we've we've turned it around. Right. And we have this opportunity. And so Alabama needs to know that that's going to be the case. And they got to come out and, you know, use this week uh, to fix some things and, and get ready and get going. And, you know, you mentioned we hear what, you know, is said in, on the bus, things like that, and, and we're – you know, we're not going to say of course. that type of stuff is is for team team ears only, but that has been addressed. Yes, so it has. so I, I would I would think that the team will be fired up this weekend. I think so, and I just hope that there's better execution because two of the main stats that really jumped out at me as I was working them on the plane: one, the situational hitting and losses in the Clearwater games. Mm-hmm. Alabama one for fourteen with runners on, zero for five runners in scoring position, and Tom zero for twelve with two outs. Compare that to the four eighty one with two outs in the wins. That's a stark contrast. Yeah, that, that is crazy. Now some of these stats, there's there's a little bit of a skewing because Fremo was just untouchable against yeah. U- with UCLA. Like Montana could have come out and th- been equal to her and given up you know one solo home run and that would have been it. So I, you know, some of that I think you got to tip your cap to Alabama played really good opponents, uh, even you know Oklahoma State's top sixteen team. So there, there's some of that there, but th- those those numbers will not get it done. And you know, if Alabama wants to accomplish what they're going to, what they want to accomplish this year, those numbers have to get better against good teams. Yeah, and the number, the weakest number to me that really jumped out, that really shocked me, because we hadn't really been keeping it after Tallahassee, but then it got worse in Clearwater. Alabama two for 17 in the response stat. Now, if you tuned in last year, if you listened to our broadcast a season ago, what that means is scoring in the next half inning after the opponent. 
And we talked a lot about the Oklahoma State game and, and kind of a UCLA game, but this seems to be a completely momentum-based team. And if something goes bad early, they haven't been able to turn the corner and to get over it. And that's not what we saw last year. No. This is a team that took it personally when opponents scored. You know, we I remember one game, somebody scored one run, and Alabama responded with seven. And we, <laughs> right. we laughed about it as if, say, gosh, the team was so mad, they gave up one run. They said, you know what, this won't do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting that vibe from this team. That's something that has to change. I don't know whether it is a leadership thing on the team. You lose your captains, obviously. There are no captains elected this year. But somebody needs to step up, lead the charge, and let this team believe when something goes wrong early in a game that they can still come back and win because they are that good. Yeah, I've heard some people that have been – attributing something that's been going on with Alabama as what Nick Saban referred to with the rat poison, you, you know, being number one that they, you know, got complacent and they were, you know, just eating and consuming the rat poison. I don't think that was the case. No, I really don't think that's, but there is a, a just a, a lack of fire at this point mm-hmm. that, you know, it, you can tell, you know, and maybe it had to do with the fact that Alabama played three straight games at, you know, eight thirty, nine thirty in the morning. It's, it's sometimes it's hard to get up in those situation. But the opponent also played at that time, and they didn't seem to have an issue with it. So, you know, Alabama needs to find that fire that they they play with every game. Yeah, make it fun. Softball yeah. needs to be fun again. Yeah, and I feel like I didn't see the team having fun very often. Yeah, you know, Washington was great. Everybody was happy after during the game. I don't even remember it being that crazy in the dugout. Uh, maybe as it should have been, but. I don't know. Just got to find a way to make it fun and have fun again. This is a sport, after all. We are playing softball. Yeah, there's got to be there's got to be an element of you know you're going out there, get out of your own head. You got to mm-hmm. go out there and have fun. I just totally do it. Agree. Yeah, just do it. Yep. Nike. Yeah, that's what they say. Let's just do it this weekend. We've got five games coming up: Wichita on Friday, Penn State on Friday, Louisville on Saturday, Penn State on Saturday, Louisville on Sunday. Tom. Pitching rotation, what do you think? I think you throw Montana in against Wichita. Let her go, see what happens. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think you do that and then maybe do do Lex against uh, Lexi against Penn State. And then I would do Montana again against Louisville. Maybe do Sarah against Penn State again or or Crystal. There's there's a bunch of different ways it goes. And then obviously this can all get thrown out depending Probably on how the game be. goes. Yeah. But I would agree. I think you put Montana out there right out there again and uh, maybe she gets some confidence when she's not facing – one of the top offenses in the country every time she's out there. Because that's all she's faced so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is literally all Florida she's faced. Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma State. Yeah. Three really high-powered offenses. Right. So maybe put, put somebody out there that is not just capable of at any point hitting a three-run homer. Yeah. And North Carolina as well, throw that in there. Right. But four appearances. But still, that's also a good offensive team. Yeah. They're not, they're not bad offensively at all. You know, you just have to find, you have to find where that is. Mm-hmm. Find, you know... Because I'm sure she's kind of searched. She's got to be searching to figure out what the problem is, too. I don't I, I don't know if she's ever gone through something like this. Probably not. No. I don't think it's a sophomore slump, as no. a lot of people are insinuating. I think it is just trying to make your way. This is Everyone is experiencing something new for the first time, and this is the first time a lot of these players have ever had targets on their backs. First time they've had to face early season competition like this in their Alabama careers, even for the seniors. So it's new, you know, just fight through it. Right. And it ended up being because of injuries, you know, academic suspensions, just, you know, the Abby doors eligibility being held up just for different reasons about the worst possible time you could have to face the type of schedule that Alabama has faced so far, because no one has been where they're supposed to be. 
you know, it's, you know, at it against Washington, maybe <laughs> that was about it. So you have to be able to adjust and it's hard to adjust when you're everybody that you play is capable of beating you at any part at any point in the game. Right. No time. There's no time to figure right. things out. And no margin for error at all. Exactly. Any batting order changes you want to go through at this weekend? I wrote down my ideal nine. One through okay. nine. Yeah. I went Mac one, Tau two, Hempill three, Skylar four, KB five, Maddie six, Abby seven, Savannah eight, Jenna nine. I want to put Lexi Kilfoyle in there, but if she's not pitching, I can't find a spot at this time because everybody else is needed right now, mm-hmm. and you don't want to keep Tau off the field unless you maybe move her, move KB to center or something and have Tau play outfield, but I don't think that's a real viable option right now for an extended amount of time. I think you could maybe start and maybe go once or twice through the order with the outfield of Tau, Sides, and Mac. And then maybe late in the game, like we saw the one time that that was the case, you know, you make the defensive substitution. But I, I'm surprised that we have not seen more of Lexi Kilfoyle batting when she's not pitching. And I haven't talked to Coach Murphy about it. Maybe something that we bring up in one of the pregame interviews or something about uh, if that's you know it, if that's in the plans at some point or if there's a reason why you're not hitting her as the DP. Uh, when she can flex or things like that. Uh, but I, I really think that her bat in the lineup could add a little extra something to the, you mm-hmm. know, add, add an extra power, power boost. I, I think you really have to hit her every time she pitches. Well, definitely when she Absolutely. pitches, but even when she's not pitching, yeah, you know, you, you got to find a spot. Yeah. Somewhere. Try to find a spot. And if that means Kaylee Tao has to play in the field, she's got to play in the field. Yeah. There aren't enough bodies to let, no. There, there's good talent, there's decent depth, but that depth has been tested because of the injuries. Mm. And, you know, too many of the good players play the same positions. So right. you got to fill in people where they're needed. And there's there and when we mentioned injuries, it's not just like the Claire Jenkins season-ending injury. It seems like everyone has something just nagging right. that is just keeping them from being able to do at 100% what they need to do. Ironically, as I knock on wood, pitching staff doesn't seem to have, have them. It's, it's just all of the – it's the – position players i wish you hadn't said that. i knocked on wood okay thank it's all you. good thanks all fine everything's fine everything's fine all right anything else you want to touch on before we advance to first <sighs> i think i think we i think we got it out yeah you know we can what well we went through a couple of years ago in our post games for a lot of therapy sessions a little, little bit of just just venting and talking yeah I think we're well, good there are some things you have to sort out i do not think the sky is falling no. I, think, I think everything's fine. I think being at home, frankly, is going to help a lot. Oh, my God. I don't know about the team. I don't know about you, but Sunday, about middle through that Oklahoma State game, I really felt it. And I said, you know, I'm ready to just go home and not have to leave for a week. Right. And this is the one positive of the, of the schedule is now Alabama's home outside of a trip to UAB for a midweek. Alabama's home for almost an entire month. Right. And. You know, if you can't get right during this month, then there are some some major issues. Yeah. But I, I expect Alabama will. Yeah, if we are having this same conversation next week, I'm more concerned than I am right sure, now. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. All right, it's time we've made contact and put it in play. Who are we, Tom? I think we can be Skylar Wallace today. All right, let's be Skylar Wallace batting cleanup. Yes, for some reason, but it's working. But it's out. working, working very well. Sure, let's do that. We're <laughs> Skylar Wallace, and we're putting it in play and advancing to first here on the Out of the Box podcast. When we come back, parody, craziness, and only four undefeated teams left. Yes, that's right. It's really? softball in twenty twenty. Just wow. four. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's crazy. We'll talk cats about and, all that. Cats and dogs living together. <laughs> 
It's raining snail or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk about all that when we advance the first here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast party in the studio. Greg Robertson, Tom Canterbury, back after a couple weeks since we've been in this room, but we hosted a show on Thursday, as we mentioned, from Clearwater, posted it on Friday with Caleb Bro. It was great, but it's also kind of good to be home. Yeah, very excited to be able to be home and sleeping in on bed. For a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. And, and we'll get, get to broadcast inside for the rest of the day. Without, without using the phone, although, right. again, I'm missing it this weekend, so I don't know when right. I'm ever going to be able to actually do radio normally. All right, yeah. But whatever. It's time to advance to first and talk about the world and the SEC and the four remaining undefeated teams, Tom. Mm-hmm. UCLA, Texas, Michigan, Oregon. Wow. Congratulations to those four. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. <laughs> Welcome. And, you know, most, and I think if I remember right, all those four teams have played, you know, not cupcake schedules either yeah, to get to it. I've got written down the good wins. UCLA beating Alabama 7-0, Georgia 8-3, Florida State 3-2, Texas run-ruled Tennessee, which we'll talk about in a bit, mm-hmm. and beat Utah, came from behind after trailing 2-0 into the seventh. Michigan run-ruled Florida. They won at North Carolina twice. Oregon, kind of iffy. They beat Long Beach. They beat Houston twice. That's yeah. You know, the schedule will get tougher from there for sure. But right. to be undefeated at this point in this season, huge accomplishment. And I think really the the two that jump out the most from those are you know Texas and UCLA. UCLA had not tra- uh, trailed in a game until that Florida State game, right? And had played a really tough schedule, so that was very impressive. And then uh, no one has been hotter. At either at the plate or in the circle than Rand Ellish at Texas. So quality performance by by all of them. We'll see what UCLA can do this weekend. We'll talk about that later on in the show when we go over who the Bruins are playing in the Mary Nutter. For now, Tom, we're still in the upside down. We are trapped mm-hmm. here. Right. And week two provided somehow even crazier upsets than week one. I look and you know, Florida State, as we mentioned, one and four in Clearwater, including a loss to a Northwestern team that had been struggling. You, you got Long Beach defeating o- Oklahoma. South Florida, after not winning a game, goes out and beats Texas Tech and Georgia. And that was after Texas Tech had got some good wins earlier on in the weekend. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it. I, what, what is there an upset that jumps out at you? Why why is this happening so much right now? I'm not a hundred percent sure. One another one, Wisconsin beating North Carolina. Yeah, uh, you know North Carolina after they had gotten the win over Alabama last weekend had kind of gotten themselves in the lower tier, the top twenty five, and people were talking about them. And then they lose to a Wisconsin team that had struggled as the, as the season got started. Although people kind of think they're going to make at least some noise in the big 10. I'm just, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what to make of it. And I think that it is a, some of it is a testament that there are just more good softball players than there have been. And not everyone can go to Oklahoma, Alabama, and UCLA. So you're getting these smaller schools are having the opportunity to get some better players. Uh, sometimes it's a situation like what happens in college basketball Sometimes it's that mid-major that has a bunch of seniors that is able to make a run in the NCAA tournament over, you know, say a Duke that has a bunch of freshmen, even though they're, you know, five-star recruits, they haven't played together as long as they aren't gelling. And, you know, maybe Long Beach State just has a bunch of seniors that have been playing together and they, you know, they know what they are and they're executing at the the top of their game. But to do what they did, it was 4-1. 
going into the bottom of the seventh. Again, Shannon Sale, who is basically currently the Oklahoma ace because Juarez tried to pitch some this weekend. I heard she re-injured something maybe, went to the dugout in tears or something. So she is not looking like she's 100%, and we don't know when she'll play or when she'll pitch. But Shannon Sale's not bad. No. And she let Long Beach hang around. There was an error that continued the inning, and then the beach walked it off again. And unbelievably, we were all on a plane, and I (laughs) bought the Wi-Fi to follow the basketball game, Alabama LSU, and my webpage refreshed on the stat broadcast for Long Beach, Oklahoma, and my mouth dropped to the floor. I immediately showed Patrick Murphy, and he looked at me and said, what? Yeah. I couldn't believe it because we all knew the score when we got on the plane. Yeah, once you know, Long Beach had a one nothing lead, third or fourth inning, and then Oklahoma got the 4-1 lead before we got on the plane. Yeah, they Oklahoma did. Right, once that happened, I was like, well, we don't need to worry about that game anymore because it's over. Right. Oklahoma might run roll them. And then, yeah, I was I was stunned when we landed and I saw that score. That was nuts. Uh, and so at this point, nobody is safe. You know, even even teams that should be blowing teams out are just barely beating teams. I remember, you know, Florida barely beat Florida A and M. Yeah, you know, so two one. Right. So we're seeing, and Florida also had a one nothing win. North Dakota State. All right, against the Bison. So uh, it's no one. I, I think. That's one of the things that's frustrate me the most about people that are harping on Alabama struggles right now, because if you're looking at it in a bubble where Alabama is the only, the only team, then maybe that's how you look at it. But this is happening in a lot of college softball right now. It's a nationwide thing where, you know, it being early on the season, good players are in different places. Anyone is vulnerable. A couple of these upsets happened in St. Pete, a lot of them actually, and I've got the official final standings written down. UCLA five and zero. Congrats to the Bruins. Mm-hmm. To be fair, last year Florida State went five and zero. They didn't even make it to the World Series. So right. you know, don't count your eggs before they hatch, or chickens, right. whatever it is. You can Either count one. the eggs. Sure. Either way, don't get too ahead of yourself. <laughs> Oklahoma State went four and one. Washington went four and one. I should note that one Washington loss was to Alabama. Uh, run rule fashion in five innings. Yes, fantastic. Eight mm-hmm. nothing. Missouri was four and two. We'll talk about the Tigers in a minute. James Madison, two and one with wins over Missouri, Texas Tech, and a 12-2 loss in five innings to Kansas. What? <laughs> What's happening? That that That's another one. That may be one of the more surprising scorers of the whole thing. Like Kansas, you know, God bless them. They were, they were, <laughs> they, they, they play in all these tournaments. They rarely do well. And <laughs> to be able to just hammer a James Madison team, which is a good team out of nowhere. I don't know. I don't know if it's like the just the fact that you play so many games, and it's not like you don't do this in other places, but you play four to five games in the three day period at such high level, such elite teams. It's hard not to have at least one letdown at some point during the weekend, and maybe that's what happened to James Madison. But that is, yeah, that's quite the letdown. Yes, it is. Then you've got Alabama, Virginia Tech at three and two, five hundred teams, Northwestern and Minnesota. And then the under 500 teams, USF at two and three, Texas Tech two and three, Georgia two and three, South Carolina one and three. I feel for the Gamecocks. They really had JMU locked up, but that game was called because of travel. Mm-hmm. And I think it was six three in the bottom of the fourth or something oh, like that. Yeah. So uh, unfortunate there. Kansas one and four, Florida State one and four. Shocking. And That's Liberty amazing. Zero and five. Right. That the fact that Florida State went one and four over the weekend again. There are such a momentum based team. And we saw they were they were sky high after what they did 
to Alabama and North Carolina and poor Detroit Mercy in the Tallahassee tournament the week before. Uh, and then to, to come to Clearwater and to have that high performance, that was shocking. Also, that kind of shows you what the momentum and how or when thing when games happen can really affect how you feel moving forward. USF, two and three, but they won their last two games. I bet they feel a lot better about their performance in Clearwater than Alabama, who was three and two, but lost their last two games. Right. Yeah, and USF, you know, two good wins, Texas Tech and Georgia, and shout right. outs of both. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, Alabama run-ruled them you know, for the third game of the tournament for both those teams, uh, but it was really just one bad inning right. for USF. Alabama did really well in that inning, uh, so that we were talking about that during the broadcast. USF was much better than their record indicated, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they now can kind of ride that wave and maybe make some noise in the AAC. Yeah, I think they'll win the American. Let's go over week two in the SEC. Lots happened. LSU and Louisiana, Tom, mm-hmm. played. And they split. They did a home-and-home, two-day home-and-home, kind of like what Oklahoma Oklahoma State do. Louisiana Lafayette, or Louisiana, as some of their fans call them. Yes, They won at home. LSU won at home. LSU's team ERA, Tom, .75. That's very good. And Taylor Pleasance hit a home run in the second game of that series and sitting 522 as a freshman. Wow. Pretty good. And I think one of my favorite things of that entire home and home series was Louisiana. If you were following them on Twitter, they referred to uh, LSU as LA state and spelled it L a S T last. It was like, wow, petty seeping in pettiness. And it was great. <laughs> like, like, like a good gumbo. It was just, it was just soaked in it. It was great. Is LSU <laughs> going to be a problem? It could be. I mean, I, the fact that they were able to beat and hold Oklahoma state uh, down you know, beat them twice, and I know one of the games was one nothing. I think it was two one, the other one or three right. two, something like that. But that they were not, they did not allow that Oklahoma State offense to really do anything for two games. Because I thought LSU pitching wise was probably a little bit more of a question than their hitting in general. So, you know, they, they could be. You know, at least at least they're playing well right now. You know, all this stuff. Yeah, you know, it's almost you can sometimes you can throw the pre conference all the way out the window once yeah. conference starts. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about LSU a lot more as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about my team, South Carolina. Yeah. One and three in Clearwater. Could have been better. Tough loss to Washington. They had the lead. They lost it. They were beating JMU. Game was called. Kelsey O has looked okay. She yeah. she's got fifty strikeouts in thirty two innings, which is really impressive, but she's about to be tested. Because I've not seen a timetable, but we know Kayla Drotar suffered an injury in one of the games in Clearwater. It apparently was pretty rough, Mm. uh, and she was their number two pitcher. So now they're having to throw in Carly Heath and put a lot more pressure on Kelsey O to carry the team in the circle pretty much, and we'll see how it works out. Dixie Riley not there anymore. No, she's not. Dixie not to the rescue this time. (laughs) No, not this time. Uh, And I think a lot of that was they had a really bad first day in Clearwater. And then it was hard for them to try to get any momentum back. And then when the injury happened to Drotar, it was probably even tougher, tough, tough to not have a game count that you were that you were playing well in and leading against a good James Madison team. But, um, yeah, they, they got some stuff to figure out because they're they have the potential and the expectation to do better. But they'll have to look and see what their schedule is after here. But uh, t- tough, tough way to get to leave Clearwater at one and three. You got to be impressed, though. 
with our dear friend and seat buddy, Larissa Anderson. Yes. Missouri at nine and two. They did finally lose two games. They couldn't come back from whatever it was. I think it was 11 to Missouri, <laughs> right. Minnesota. Right. Uh, the team ERA is what jumps out at me. 3.09. We talked to Kayla bro about it. She said it is essentially pitched by committee. Mm-hmm. Is that sustainable is my question. I'm not sure. Probably not in the extreme long run, but their, their offense is capable. Like I, I thought that, Missouri was going to be a spoiler type team anyway, even if they were able to, if they didn't have this unfair postseason ban, I think their talent and everything was to the point of where they were just going to be a spoiler. They're going to beat some teams and, and affect who wins the conference overall. Uh, but I don't think they can be consistently good enough where they would be the contender themselves. There was, who was it that they were down five, nothing against uh, it was Virginia, Virginia tech. tech. Yeah. Right. We were following that at lunch before we got on the airplane uh, from Clearwater, and I said, "Well, Missouri's going to come back and win six five. This is exactly what happened. You know, they they have that type of mentality. They're never going to be out of a game, especially with their offense." Right. Yeah, Jasmine Rollin hitting three seventy eight this year. She's already got six extra base hits, eight runs driven in. And you're right. I think Missouri will be that spoiler team, stopping the teams that are vying to win the SEC. Two teams that I don't think will be in that discussion, Mm -hmm. Auburn and Texas A&M. Now, to be fair to both these teams, they did win out after these bad losses Thursday night. Auburn and Kennesaw State, Texas A&M to McNeese. However, the holes are there, obviously. Neither team has done anything that special. I mean... Well, well, look at what Texas A&M... You know, they had losses not only to McNeese, but the week before they lost to UT Arlington. Twice. Um, they they were in game. You know, Lamar gave them good games twice. St. John's uh, this past weekend. Right. So it's not, again, they kind of fit, fit in that. Even the games they're winning, they're not really looking that good in. Auburn, yeah, they lost to Kennesaw State in their home opener, but then it was down 7 nothing to UNC Wilmington. Uh, they didn't end up coming back and winning that game 8-7, to but... You know, Auburn should never be down seven nothing to UNC Wilmington. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think there are still some major, major issues that they are dealing with. I don't, I don't think they're the biggest uh, disaster in the entire conference. They're now. not, Tom. I feel for, I feel for the Rebels. I really do. The Rebels are in disarray, folks. Mm-hmm. One and eight. Their only win was in extras over Colorado State, who's very meh. <laughs> right, the yeah. team batting average is two eighteen. Molly Jacobson is a two seven three ERA. She's basically the only pitcher they can trust because their number two Diedrich has a four two nine ERA. Mm. They actually kind of hung tougher with Texas than I anticipated, but this is a brewing disaster in Oxford. And at this point, it would take a miracle for them to even be in a position to make the NCAA tournament above five hundred. Yeah, that's one thing about the way that the college softball and the schedules are structured. In the first few weeks, you play a lot of games. If you have a really, really bad couple of weeks like Ole Miss is having, it puts you way behind and way down in the hole as far as your overall record when things get wrapped up. You know, we've played two weeks and they've already played nine games and they're at one and eight. That is that is a heavy hole to try to dig out of considering that you still have to play your conference schedule. Yeah, and oh, by the way, coming up this weekend, Oklahoma State, two against UAB and two against Louisiana. So Oof. fix the and issues if you're going to turn it around, because otherwise you could walk out of Birmingham. UAB has looked pretty good. Yeah. You know, that they, they had a pretty disastrous 
first year last year under their new head coach, but they seem to have kind of figured some things out. They gave Washington a really good game. They beat Georgia Tech. They are, you know, I, the Blazers are not an easy win. Uh, so you have that in addition to the fact that you're playing Oklahoma State and Louisiana, who both, you know, would be favored to beat you. So Ole Miss is in, in a rough spot. Yeah, they got to turn it around or it's bye-bye postseason softball. Let, let's fly through these last couple real quick. Tom, Emily Williams has a 32-6 to strikeout-to-walk ratio this year. Or in the upside down. It doesn't make sense. 100%. I mean, 4-1 ERA. And they did fall to Tulsa. I think we saw what happens if the Mississippi State offense isn't there. Fale Lua, though, right. hitting 448, 16 RBIs. I still don't think Mississippi State's very good, but they're playing well right now. Yeah, and, you know, Tulsa's not bad. Yeah, they sh- you shouldn't lose that game. But overall... I'm I'm just stunned by those numbers for Emily Williams. <laughs> <laughs> just just remember when she walked thirteen here. Yes, but also like struck out ten. It was like it was some sort of like ridiculous number. I don't I don't know. I, don't I, know. I really don't understand. I'm not shocked that Fala Law is hitting the ball hard. I'm not. She does. All. She does that. That's what she, she does. That's what she's known for. Yes. We will see if Mississippi State is for real this Thursday. I think they play Oregon. If they hang around, we'll find out if Emily Williams can stay in the strike zone. Right. You know, that's that's the first real test. That was her only issue. I mean, she's a good pitcher if yeah. she can throw strikes. And she's done that so far. And then you're always gonna have not only with Follow Lua, you, you know, Mia Davidson's still there. She's she seems like kind of going through the same thing Bailey is right to start off the year. Uh, but I expect them both to to get things rolling. Before we uh, wrap things up here, Kentucky struggling out west, three and two, both losses to Arizona State. They've thrown seven pitchers. This season and Autumn Humes ERA north of three two, Grace Ballman north of two two, Enigma. I mean, right. who knows? They were perplexed by Madison Preston. What a time! Yes, it is. The upside down's an an, an odd place. I don't like it. it. I'm not a big, not the biggest fan. I, I need <laughs> Hopper to come get us, frankly. Yes. And before we go and steal second with Sid, Tennessee mm. got smacked by Texas, eleven nothing. The line score, I believe, for the Vols, Lady Vols, was 0-1-5. No runs, one hit, five errors, Ugh. which you can't do no. against Texas. But it is clear they just miss Ashley Rogers. Yeah. I mean, there's most teams, if you lose your number one, it's going to be an issue. Uh, and that's been the case with Tennessee. Um, but when you start your season without your number one, that's right. even harder. Right, 100%. Um, and I haven't, don't know what the f- final timetable is for her coming back either i haven't seen anything i think a couple weeks maybe right i had heard it was an illness now i've heard it's injury so i'm not sure what i'm not sure what it is if anyone has any idea tweet us at out of the box underscore pod you know I, i'm not sure if there is a sport that is more secretive or mysterious with what injuries are than college softball yeah <laughs> it's like there are suspicious is in playing we don't know why we don't know what's happening it's 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 weird there, there are plenty of rumors going around, rumors about disciplinary issues, rumors about a concussion, rumors about getting cleated against UCF. I did find it interesting that in the dugout against, I believe, South Carolina, she had earplugs in while she was in there, which I found odd. That makes me kind of lean possible concussion. concussion. Right. But either way, Washington was very indirect about it. I heard the TV interview with Heather Tarr was weird. No one knew anything. And even off the record, we were talking to Kayla bro about it. And she said, I don't know. They won't tell us anything. Right. And when you're that way, then that just breeds other rumors, right? Just be, be 
more forthright. Like, I, I get yeah. if something happened, not announcing it before the Alabama game. I get that. Yes. Yeah. The opponent has to adjust. That is what Alabama did with Alyssa Brown. We did not make that announcement until Thursday morning, I believe, as we mm-hmm. went to the Liberty game. We knew about it, but that announcement was withheld until the games. Once there, the game has started, yes, you know. We know Sis Bates, something's yeah. up. Sure. So just put it in I, writing. I don't put understand. Put it in a press release. Yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't get it. But anyway, back with Tennessee, I think Callie Turner has pitched well. Yeah, she's been okay. She was p- supposed to be their number two. She's a freshman. When she doesn't do well. It's going to be a problem. Yeah. And, and again, how long is Ashley Rogers out? Just give us a timetable. Somebody yeah. somebody come, put slide in our DM so I can not hate on Tennessee as much as right. I am. Because without Ashley Rogers, this is a bad SEC team. And and if they're sending you DMs, send me Georgia. Somebody at Georgia send me one and let me know <laughs> why Phoebe, trans, Phoebe transferred. I tried to ask her in Clearwater. I couldn't ever get close enough. I could have just yelled it from our, our broadcasting position. It would have made for great radio. She, she would have heard me. I know that much because we were right next to her. I didn't feel I've been the most professional thing to do. We, we have done crazier things and yell <laughs> probably, at opposing Probably players. so. Probably so. <laughs> uh, okay, that's it. It's time to steal second, right? We've got the sign. Got on. the sign. We, we, we waited two pitches, so we had to wait for the sign from Murph, but we got it now. Right. And we're, we're out. Green light, guys. Here we go. It's time <laughs> to steal second with the great Sydney Little John, my new TV partner. Very excited to work with her. Yeah, so just leaving me for other people. I appreciate Sorry, it. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough night. Here it is. Box it's rough. We're, we're going through some hard times <laughs> here in the booth, but it'll be okay because Sid will be joining us in the next segment as we steal second with her. This is the Out of the Box Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are stealing second here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you in the studio and we're not alone because, as usual in the ceiling second section of the show, we've got a guest. And this week, it is none other than former Alabama pitcher and my new partner on the SEC Network Plus, Sydney Little John. Sid, welcome back to Out of the Box. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you all so much for having me on. I was super excited about this, hearing that I get to be back with you guys. Always a great time. Oh, Thank yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we, you weren't as excited as we were. I, I promise you that. This is always great to talk with you and uh, great to see that you are kind of coming into our field here, coming into uh, TV and uh, doing some TV with Gray. That's going to be a lot of fun this year. Yeah. You know, it's a new opportunity. I'm super excited about it. I'm glad that my first experience will be with Gray. I feel like the conversation will go very well and you know we're both passionate about the game and so that could bring up some fun topics so (laughs) hopefully it goes well (laughs) (laughs) i know it will i know it will and uh we are calling the friday games together as well as many others this year and we've been texting a lot to start this season in games after games before games basically like 24 7 while we were in clearwater and I know you've got a lot of thoughts about Team 24 and this four and five start. So I'll just be pretty general. Anything immediately stick out to you about what you've seen and heard, if you're listening to us, from the first two weeks of Alabama softball this year? Well, I hate to take it out of context of Alabama softball, but I mean, just looking at these past two weeks all across the boards in college softball, I mean, it is nuts. It is a crazy year. And, you know, a lot of people, that brings excitement to the game. A lot of people enjoy it. 
personally, I'm very type A. You know, I like structure and order and things. So it's kind of throwing me for a loop. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, that's what makes it fun. And specifically with Alabama, you know, I think it's just, it's a new year. It's a new start. And the team is finding their identity and everyone goes through a part of the season where, you know, some things may not be functioning on all cylinders and that's okay. I know people freak out about it, but every team goes through that. And, you know, I'd rather go through it now than in May, whenever we're on the road to the WCWS. I feel like there were points even during last year's, you know, 33 game win streak to start off the year that Alabama went through some of the issues that they're going through now, but they were going through it against teams that weren't also world series participants like they were last year. I think a lot of this is a, you know, is a product of the schedule you're playing. There has been no margin for error in hardly any of these games. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, that speaks to the game as a whole, even seeing some of these other teams that, you know, are on the bubble whenever it comes to the selection show and making regionals and they're doing a lot better. So that speaks to all these coaches across the nation doing a great job in the preparation and the process. And I mean, I think you're right, Tom, that, you know, we are playing a much harder schedule this year. And so whenever we go through that, you know, storming phase of the team where we're trying to figure everything out and looking at, you know, where can we put this person here? Can we put this person there? How do we need to do the lineup? You know, all the little things are going to be exposed, especially against these great teams. And I mean, it's the same for them too. You know, Alabama is exposing weaknesses among other teams and that's just something that you right. work through. And you know, it's the beginning of the season. It's not May or June. So, you know, even though it may not result well in the win-loss column, you know, I felt like the losses that Alabama has had have been great learning experiences, and they're going to be able to apply them almost immediately and help them get better as the season goes on. Well, as a former pitcher, we go to you for all of our pitching questions, and we're going to talk about Lexi Kilfoyle later on because a lot of what she does kind of reminds me of you just with her movement and the way that she can throw that drop ball and use so much spin. But the big story, it seems, for Team 24 has been the struggles of Montana Fouts, and we talked about that in the first part of the show, and it was not something we expected not something anyone expected, surely not something she expected, but for whatever reason, there seemed to be a little bit of a lapse from her through four appearances so far this year. So what do you think is causing this? Why do you think Montana is having so many struggles to start off the year? Well, I think there are you know many things that can play into it. One of it, one of the things being, you know, this game gets so much exposure now. Mm-hmm. So coming in as a freshman, you know, you don't, nobody knows a lot about you. You don't have film on you everywhere. You I mean, you have occasional like YouTube videos, you know, but you don't have these SEC ESPN games where anybody can just go and get whatever game that they want. And so people are able to view Montana and look at what worked for her last year and then work on those specific things. And as a sophomore, it's an adjustment coming in, knowing that everybody's been watching you. And, you know, I personally struggled with that adjustment. And I mean, she's on a much bigger stage than I am. And she is a lot better mentally with the game than I was. And so I don't think she'll necessarily struggle with that, but it just, it's an adjustment that needs to be factored in. And then two, I mean, we got to look at 
what she's done this past year. I mean, she played with the USA junior team this summer and then trained all fall to go try out for team USA, which is the opportunity of a lifetime. But at some point, you know, especially as you grow in your career, you got to get a break somewhere. And, you know, they gave her a break. I think it was over Christmas break or even leading into January where she didn't touch at all. And, you know, the year before her freshman year, she had played high school ball, then travel ball, then we had fall ball, and then she prepared during Christmas break for the season. So she had gone a long time without a break. So it was very, very, very sharp. And now, you know, she's finally gotten a break. It's going to pay off definitely later in the season. But I think it's getting back those fine-tuned pitches where she may not personally feel as sharp as she did at this point last year. And, again, that's okay because it doesn't really matter now. You know, she knows what she needs to work on. She's going to get it better. We all know Steph is going to be with all the pitchers in this process and getting them better. And I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to be prepared for whatever comes our way. Uh, Also at Alabama, there has been a lot of flux in the other positions. There has been, you know, with Maddie Morgan didn't travel the first week. Claire Jenkins was injured, is injured and out for the season. Uh, Bailey Hemphill had to catch until Abby door finally got cleared. And she first practiced with the team on Tuesday and then played, played in the game on Thursday um, when there's that much flux going on in the other positions around, how much can that affect what is going on with the pitcher? I mean, it can affect them a lot because, you know, whenever you're used to someone talking to you all the time, for instance, I remember Claire last year just in every single pitcher's ear and really being a leader on the infield. And, you know, you lose that. And people are definitely willing to step up, but it's still a different role. It's a different person, and everybody's trying to find their voice on the infield because we do have a lot of new people on the infield. And even though some people aren't exactly new to the infield, like Skylar, she's in a different position, which sometimes brings on a different mindset and having to, you know, retrain what you would do in certain situations. So I think a lot of it has to do with everyone trying to find their voice and, you know, from their perspective too, they have to learn to play with the pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some pitchers who want you in their ear at all times. Good pitch, bad pitch, talk to me. And then there are some that could care less. And so with all these new faces, they not only do they have to figure figure out that what the pitcher wants, but they also have to figure out what the pitcher is doing well, um, what the pitcher feels like that day, if they're having a good day, if they're having a bad day where they have to play on the infield and then, you know, what to do in those tight situations. So I think it's a lot of moving parts. And again, you know, it's like a well-old machine. If one part isn't functioning as fast as the others, then it's going to slow the machine down. And I think that's what we're dealing with right now is just everybody's trying to figure everything out. And that just takes time. And whenever you're going up against, however many top 25 teams that we played the past two weeks, which I'm pretty sure if it wasn't all of them, it was pretty dang close. <laughs> right. You know, all of those little things play a really, really big part. And, but that's also good because now we know what it looks like and we know what it's going to be like in those hard games. Whenever SEC comes around, you know, we're already going to be prepared for that. So I know some people are unhappy with the big, with the, some of the game results, but I mean, you got to look at the big picture and what's best for the team. And, you know, we were in a spot last year where it was all about the RPI. And even though we went 33 and Oh, the first part of the season, whenever it came down to the end, that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And we're in a position this year, like 
they can't play that card. <laughs> right. And, you know, people may be unhappy now, but I guarantee you they're going to be high and mighty whenever Alabama's a top eight seed, and it's no question. Like it. And uh, you mentioned earlier on uh, about different pitchers like different things as far as people being in their ear or not. Uh, what did you like when you were pitching? Oh, I wanted, I talked to everybody. So whether they wanted to talk to me or not, they were going to. I wanted people talking to me at all times. And nothing has uh, changed. Personally, <laughs> uh, no, nothing <laughs> uh, There's actually a little funny story. My freshman year, uh, Jaden Spencer, you know, she was playing first base, and she had always said that the pitchers never hear her, the pitchers don't ever talk back. And, of course, you know, she hadn't met me yet as a pitcher, so <laughs> it was fun. But in the middle of the game, like, I can't tell you what count it was. You know, it was just in the middle of an at-bat, I heard her say, come on, Tortuga. And I was, like, approaching the mound, and I stopped. And I turned around her, and I said, did you just call me a Tortuga? She was like, oh, my gosh, you heard me? And I was like, yeah. And, you know, we had a full-on conversation, and the batter's just like, okay, <laughs> come on. But, you know, I personally like that. But, you know, not everybody likes that. And I had little signs I would give to the outfield in between outs or whatever just to make sure everybody was in tune with what I was in tune with. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the second straight episode that Jaden Spencer has been name-dropped. Caleb Rowe mentioned her as her most off-the-wall teammate uh-huh. last time. Saying she made up strange words. <laughs> yes. Well, there's your exhibit A right there. Wow. Thank you for adding more more to the picture. I guess Jaden is now coming on out of the box we'll at some to, point. Yeah, we'll have to contact her. We'll have to contact her. I, I want to talk specifically about the pitcher-catcher relationship. Abby Dore comes in. Her first on-field practice with Team 24 was literally the Wednesday night in Clearwater right after we landed. So how long does it typically take for that catcher pitcher relationship to build and for that trust to really develop, because that was something that Reagan Dykes had with all the pitchers last year. And, and we've seen many times over the years, and it's something that the coaching staff has really emphasized. We've seen them, you know, say, all right, you're going off to dinner tonight. You're going whatever with the pitchers and the catchers, but how long really does it take and how soon can we expect for there to be that immediate chemistry between the pitchers and with Abby Dore? Well, I can tell you that no matter what pitcher it is and what catcher it is, it's going to take more than one practice and one tournament. Um, and so, you know, with Abby, I think it's, it'll take a few weeks because what, what we get into is not only does she have to catch the good pitches, but she has to know that whenever a pitcher isn't feeling her best, you know, what she needs to hear and also for her own sake, she needs to know where she might miss. Mm-hmm. You know, I was one personally where if my outside curve wasn't working, it may go inside and I don't know why, but it just would. And, you know, my catchers need to know that because, you know, if there's a runner on base and I'm missing my spots, they need to know kind of where it's going to miss. Or, you know, if I, if someone tends to mo- throw more up or more of a drop ball where those could miss just of certain possibilities and, it just takes time to develop those relationships. And I think Abby is one that she is definitely going to step up and, 
you know, Bailey is a good leader in that aspect. I mean, I remember my freshman, my freshman year. Wow, her freshman year. That makes me, you know, now she's a senior, so that makes me feel really old. Uh-huh. But there was a time in Missouri. We all remember whenever Demi got hit in the eye, and at the time, Demi and I lived together, and you know, I was emotional because that's my roommate, one of my best friends, and. At the time, I was like, well, you know, maybe she just lost her eyeball, and I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I'm thinking, okay, someone needs to call her mom, you know, all these things. And we had bases loaded and one out. And, you know, Bailey Hemphill comes up to me, and she's like, Sid, look at me. Uh, yeah, I looked at her, and she's like, we're going to get through this. I need you to breathe. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a ground ball right to you. You're going to throw it to me. And then we're going to throw it to first and we're going to get a double play. And sure enough, that next pitch, that is exactly what happened. And you can't just pull that out of the air. Like she spoke it into existence. So I know Bailey is a very good leader in that, very good at developing those relationships. So I have no doubt that if Abby is struggling to develop those relationships, Bailey will help her. And, you know, I don't know Abby very well. But I have heard from everybody else how dang good she is. And I've already seen that this past weekend and what she can do. I mean, her first game, she has a home run. I mean, who does that? But from a catching standpoint, you know, that's something that takes time, but she's one that I really think is willing to step up and do that. And I'm sure she'll do a great job. Sydney, little John joining us here on out of the box as we steal second with Sid and Sid, I mentioned earlier, Alexi Kilfoyle, just a fantastic performance against Washington, shutting out the Huskies, a, a the number one team in uh, in the polls coming into the weekend. She, I think, really announced herself as a potential ace for this team, as the player that can step in if Montana's struggling and that can shut down those high-powered offenses. From what you've seen from her in games and maybe elsewhere, what has stuck out to you about her ability in the circle? Well, first of all, her skill. I mean, y'all have seen her drop ball move. That thing falls right off the table. But as far as other skills that don't exactly relate to pitching, I feel like she never lets a moment get too big. You know, she's out there pitching against the number one team, and we all know the Alabama-Washington rivalry and how far it goes back. And I know Tom <laughs> feel very strongly about it. Not, not a fan. Not a fan of them at all. Yeah, I mean, and I, I can't disagree, <laughs> you know. But she, you could never tell in her eyes that she was scared or, and I don't, she had no reason to be. She was mowing right. them down. Yep. But you just could not tell that she was not, she wasn't worried. She was trusting her pitches. And she didn't let any moment get too big. And if she's already doing that within the second weekend of the season, you know, those games where we're in a big stadium and it's loud. I mean, even at road stadium, you know, sometimes the fans get a little loud around. You're like, Oh wow. I gotta, I gotta please these fans. And (laughs) you know, she's, I don't think that's going to get to her. She's very poised. You can't tell what's going on in her mind. You can't tell if she's having a good day or a bad day, if she's hitting her spots or if she's missing her spots. And that just shows maturity already. And that's a very, very, very important part of being a pitcher at this level. Yeah, I think you saw some of that, you know, with your teammate, Alexis Osorio, how you can you look at her face and you would never know how the game was going positively or negatively. And uh, in some in some ways, that can be a really good thing. As because that way the the moment doesn't get too big for you. Yes, exactly. And I mean, with Alexis, you know, you, sometimes you can tell 
even in practice, I'm like, Alexis, are you happy? Are you, are you mad at me? She, she was one who is always very poised, very stoic. And I feel like Lexi also brings that same presence in her own way. And I think she's going to step in and be a great addition to this staff. And of course they all bring something different, but they each bring something very valuable to the staff to make it very complete. Taking a look at college softball as a whole, and you mentioned earlier how how crazy the first couple of weeks have been, and you know we're talking about that as well here on this podcast. There's only four uh, undefeated teams left in all of college softball after two weeks, which I'd never remember that being the case this early in the season. Uh, at at this point, have you ever noticed this type of uh, parity in all of college softball? And then, uh, if, what teams have really kind of jumped out at you early on? Well, yeah, I thought there was some parity whenever I played, but I mean, nothing like this. I mean, you flip the screen and all of a sudden someone has scored like 12 runs. You're like, okay, well, they were losing a glass inning. So what <laughs> yeah. happened here? Uh, and that, again, that just speaks to the coaching and the preparedness and what everybody's doing to really step their game up and play on the stage that's now becoming available. And I didn't even know that there was four undefeated teams left, but whoever those teams are, congratulations. You have made it through whatever craziness is going on. <laughs> but I mean, that that's something. If you can say that at this point in the season, that is something. But of course the teams that have stuck out to me, you know, I really have been impressed by Florida state and not just, you know, what, not just what everybody says, but I mean, they, always have consistently good hitters and they hit the ball hard. They're aggressive, but not too aggressive. You know, they don't, but they don't let any good pitches go by. They jump on top of them. And that just really speaks to what coach Lonnie is bringing to the table and her staff. And I mean, their pitchers, I mean, Kaylin Arnold looks great and apparently has new pitches. And I'm like, where, where was this? I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to play against it whenever I was in school, but yeah, that's something that just speaks to them and their program. And, of course, Texas is making leaps and bounds forward. I mean, Miranda Ellish, I mean, if, if we had to pick right now who's going to be player in the year, I definitely want to put her name in the hat. Oh, yeah. But she is just bringing unreal numbers, pitching and hitting. That And that program, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that program is in the Women's College World Series this year. And I think it's going to be great whenever they come down to Tuscaloosa. That's definitely going to be a great weekend. I mean, Long Beach State, I mean, can we give them a shout-out? I'm very happy with them and their performance against OU. Uh, Don't know much about them, but (laughs) they beat Oklahoma, so I'm always happy to see that. (laughs) You know, Patty Gasso does such a great job of it. sometimes nice to see that they are humans and – Right. You know, they have to go through some things too. Well, that was one of those things where you know, I guess it was two years ago when Boston U upset Oklahoma during the regular season. And like that still sticks out to me that that happened. And then Long Beach state does it this year, but that kind of just drops in with all the other upsets there have been this year. There, there've been, yeah. it seems like there's every, every time you go through the scoreboard, there's somebody that has no business knocking off a top 10 team doing it. Yes. I mean, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it's one of the things like it is not all fine and good in the world. There is no order and it is free game, but that also keeps everybody honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it shows everybody that like 
you know what? You cannot look past me. I may not be as big of a school as you are, but you cannot look past me because if you do, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to beat you. And it brings just a, a much more competitive edge to the game. And I think it gives great opportunities to these, you know, mid-major schools to have the kids that didn't have opportunities to go out and get recruited to go to these big schools like Alabama and, you know, other power five schools. So they're getting the opportunities to show out at these smaller schools and it's making a difference and it's making it more of a level playing field. So, you know, you could definitely see a Cinderella story this year of a team who hasn't been in the women's college world series or hasn't been there in a while. And, you know, that's always a fun part to see too. And, you know, everybody roots for the underdog. And so I'm excited to see what plays out. And I can honestly say I have no idea who is going to be in the World Series. I have no idea who's going to be anywhere. Well, before we get to the final question, Sydney, I do want to point out that you and I will be calling one of the Alabama-Texas games on SEC Network Plus on March 13th, I believe. So we'll get to see Miranda Ellish and talk about Miranda Ellish on TV, which will be a lot of fun. And speaking of on TV... We were texting last night uh, during the Florida State-UCLA game, and we'll let you go after this, but I'm not sure I've ever felt a tension through the television like I felt last night watching that game. It is February, Sydney, and it felt like we were playing in a super regional game. And if that, that was the same feeling Tom and I had watching a lot of these games this weekend. I cannot believe how big this sport is right now. There seem to be more eyes on it than ever before. I think the parody helps, but just Sunday was a fantastic event, and I think it spells a lot of success coming this year in the sport. Yes, I mean, I agree. Watching that game last night, I could not take my eyes off the TV. And really throughout the whole weekend, I mean, obviously I was more watching the St. Pete Clearwater tournament, but all the games seemed to have this tension and this effect of like, okay, who's going to win? Who's going to be the person to step up? Who's going to make the big play? Who's going to get the key hit? And that brings so much fun to this game and so much unexpectedness is the word that comes to mind, but I know that's probably not the most appropriate word, but there's just this variable of unknown. And, you know, it's never now looking at, it's not a guaranteed win. And so, bringing that to the table is going to just ignite the fire for this whole season. You know, everyone's going to have to go in 10 toes down, ready to go and bringing that competitive edge to this game as a viewer, is going to make it so much more fun to watch and it's going to get the fans more involved. It's going to get more viewers who have never really cared about softball. I guarantee you they're going to be watching this year, oh, yeah. especially with all the exposure that we're getting and how many TV games there are, and everybody has their phones, and they have the apps now. Like It's going to get shown somewhere, and we're going to get a lot of new people tuned in to softball. And, you know, especially with it being an Olympic year, I think that brings another aspect to it, and the Stand Beside Her tour that's going on, which is an amazing thing. But I think that'll bring another factor into it. People are going to want to watch softball for that. And so I think it's all around just going to be a great year full of a lot of a lot of things that we probably don't expect, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. 
and I wish I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be fun this weekend. I hope people tune in to watch us on uh, on Friday as the Bama Bash gets going. Sydney Little John stealing second here with us on the Out of the Box podcast. And Sid, thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll see you this weekend at Rhodes. Yes, I'm very excited, and thank you all so much for giving me a call. Again, excited to be back on the show and excited to listen and hear what else y'all guys have to say throughout tonight. Oh, we have plenty, always. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can't wait for the off the wall. That's my favorite part. Oh. And, so. and I know with the way things have gone, there are some doozies. So, always. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, as you can imagine, I've been responding here and there to some, and they don't like my responses. But, well, you know, yeah. well when, if you try to stop start talking logic that just that throws Blows them for a their loop. minds can't, can't do it it's like what yeah. facts deal. and stats stop it <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly thank you Sid <laughs> yes thank you that's you later, us Sid. stealing second with Sydney Little John it's time now to round third here on the Out of the Box podcast Mary Nutter at it again we're going to talk about that tournament coming up as well as some other ones happening across college softball and where could more upsets occur who knows but we'll try and somehow predict it on the next segment as we round third on the Out of the Box podcast podcast. Welcome back. It's time to round third. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, as always, keeping this train moving along. It's been a good show so far. It has. I was all fun talking with Sid. Enjoyed that. And you guys are going to have a, a good weekend, I'm sure. We'll come visit you. Don't worry. All right. It's yeah. only one wall separating our rooms. <laughs> we can look awkwardly at each other through the window. That'll I'll, be fun. I'll make sure to twist the monitor so you can see any replay Thank necessary. You. Because usually it is though I don't think they're doing it on purpose, but as though they are purposely blocking me from being able to see anything. I will never forget last year. I can't remember there was what game it was, but there was a close call. I think it was during regionals or supers. Yeah. And our dear friend Tiffany Green just had her hand as if she was making a high five, standing there talking, but moving it up and down, but not far enough to get out of the way of the screen. So we're trying to see the replay. And we I remember I said on the air we were looking to see, but Tiffany Green's hand is in the way. Yes. Stuff like that. It's okay. I won't let that happen. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. At least doing that for me. There could be some big upsets this weekend. Maybe. Hopefully not in Tuscaloosa. Ideally not in Tuscaloosa. There will be some unranked, overranked upsets. I didn't put everything down on here because that's just – too many darn games. Yeah. But we've got the Mary Nutter. We've got some other tournaments coming up this weekend. Thursday at the Mary Nutter, four games that really stuck out at me. Arizona State-Auburn, Mississippi State-Oregon, we already mentioned, Arizona-Texas A&M, and then the big one on this list, Arizona-Missouri. Is Missouri for real? And if offenses get to their pitching staff, like I think Arizona's will, can Missouri keep up against pitchers of the caliber of Denim and Lopez for the Wildcats? That's a big question going into this weekend. And Arizona has had some struggles this year as well. Uh, was it Northern Iowa almost beat them? Yeah. Uh, in the Hildenbrand Invitational. And uh, who did they loot? Did they? They lost to Oklahoma. Lost to Oklahoma. That's yeah. what it was. Uh, but they were. that was a really good back and forth game. Yeah, so 10 innings. Yeah. So they are a very good team. But like everybody, they, they have their issues at times and uh, I would be shocked if Texas a and is able to do anything with them uh, but it'll be interesting to see what they can do in Missouri. Would you be willing to call an upset of Mississippi State over Oregon? It would be an upset. Do you, do you uh, think, no but I'm saying do you oh, think it'll happen? I wouldn't pick it. Okay. I'm leaning it actually. Okay. I wouldn't mind seeing it happen. It would be interesting. Because, I, I think part of the, another storyline overall in college softball is 
little bit of a down year for the SEC so far. Oh, yeah, which we kind of predicted coming right. into the season. We but, said the SEC wouldn't be as good just because so many great players were leaving. Right, but I don't know if I, I saw it happening at this level. And that, that's, that's outside of Alabama. That's the other, the other 12 teams. Uh, seems it's just a, it's been a, a wonky year. Well, a couple more SEC teams in action. The Mary Nutter on Friday. Auburn, Northwestern. Northwestern, I don't understand. Don't know what's happening. They're under 500, I believe, still. They're playing an Auburn team that will be coming off probably a loss to Arizona State. I mean, you would good think. luck. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's a, that's an odd. That's going to be a, a hard one to figure out. Yeah. And then right after that, you've got Arizona, Florida. Florida has a big weekend. We'll talk more about who they play, but they start with the Wildcats and we're about to see that new Florida pitching, Natalie Lugo, who is pitching mm. like an ace right now. Yeah. Elizabeth Hightower and uh, Trilicek. And we'll see. Also on Friday, Oklahoma, Texas A&M. Will it be a run rule? I would say yes. Yeah. Probably so. But we'll see. What a, what a day for Texas A&M. Oklahoma and then UCLA. Right after they play Arizona. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, UCLA and the Aggies later that night. Who, who did this scheduling? Apparently, Joe's just trying to hurry up the process. (laughs) Let's move it along. I've already packed. (laughs) At least we get to hang out in Palm Springs. That's right. That's that's the only reason why I would think teams like Auburn and A&M would go play in this thing. Yeah, Florida Northwestern and Washington, Wisconsin also on Friday. Saturday, Arizona-Auburn. So, again, Auburn just playing everybody. Mm -hmm. Northwestern, Oregon. Oklahoma-Washington. That's a big one. Yeah. Big time circled. I have a lot of questions about Oklahoma and the Juarez thing. If she doesn't pitch in this game, I think uh, it's clear that there is something really, really wrong. Yeah. And we'll see how good Shannon Sale is if she is thrown against the Huskies, who kind of got hot and are kind of known as the comeback kids after what they did at the tail end of Clearwater. Yeah. And I have some questions now about Washington as well. I mean, they got, of course, hammered by Alabama, but then the next day they turned around and beat Florida State in almost the same fashion. Uh, so they obviously but even, barely but, threw Gabby playing all weekend. Right. There's, I'm wondering if there's an issue with Gabby playing, uh, if there's an injury or if there's something. Because, you know, for us being able, in our position, we saw Gabby playing. The the pitches seemed like she was somewhat hitting her spots, but they weren't, I don't know if her, the speed wasn't there, but she was just being very hittable. Yeah, it seemed like some of the spin, there, there wasn't as much spin from her pitches because I watched a lot of film on her yeah. coming in just so I would have a proper scouting report. And I didn't see any of a late movement that I saw in say the supers film from a couple years ago or some of the other games from last year. Well, you you saw people raving about how she's able to pitch, you know, moving in both ways. Didn't see as much of that against Alabama. Yeah. That's an interesting game. Oklahoma, Washington. We'll have our eye on that Saturday. Also Saturday, Arizona state, Florida, UCLA, Wisconsin, and then the nightcap, Florida and UCLA. Wow. Do you think UCLA Gets their first loss this weekend. Uh, well, they're not going to lose to Texas A&M. I don't think they'll lose to Wisconsin, and I don't. I think they'll beat Florida, and they may may beat them handily. Mm. So I, I'm going to say no because they also play Auburn. So no. <laughs> so extra no. So extra no. And that game is on Sunday as well as Northwestern Washington and Oklahoma Wisconsin. Wisconsin, of course, the team that ended Oklahoma's streak last year. That's and true. Caitlin Mins, I believe, still has a zero ERA. For the Badgers. Wow. So could maybe. Maybe so. I don't know. We'll find out. Other games this weekend from other tournaments. Birmingham has Louisiana, Oklahoma State. 
for a couple games Friday, Saturday. James Madison going to Athens and taking on the Bulldogs Friday, Saturday. Well, that's and that, that's a better team than Georgia usually invites to their tournaments. It is, yes. Yeah, we're we're stepping away from the Western Illinois and the <laughs> little sisters of the poor Tex out there. Tennessee has two games at South Florida. That is trappy, trappy, trappy to me. Mm-hmm. After what South Florida just did at the tail end of Clearwater and Corrick threw a shutout against Georgia after she couldn't find a strike zone against Alabama. I, I think at least it's a split in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if, if Tennessee still has their issues that they're struggling with right now. I, I could definitely see that being a, a one, one. And then Minnesota at Baylor and Waco, you got Ole Miss playing Louisiana twice. And I've got my Michigan at South Carolina on Saturday. I think yeah. Michigan picks up the first loss of the year. If O is sharp, I could see that. So any, any games on here that that really you're going to have the stat broadcast up for? I want to see how Ole Miss plays against Louisiana in Birmingham, uh, just because you, you wonder in the way that the start of the season has, do they just fold the tents? And man, they they could play well and still lose twice Louisiana, but if Louisiana you know run rules them once and it's never if it's never close any of those games, then uh, they may have completely checked out. Yeah, it's hard to say that third week of the season, but with everything that happened in the pre in the pre in the uh, off season, it could definitely be the case. Yeah, I've like I said, I've got my eye on Michigan, South Carolina. Again, I think Tennessee, South Florida, a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. Get out, run, <laughs> run, Molly. You in danger, girl? What's that? Is that it? The ghost line? Oh, Molly, you in danger, girl? That is Doing yes. Whoopi Goldberg. From Whoopi Goldberg. Good job. Yes. Yeah, Callie, you're in danger, girl. <laughs> I, Turner. I was going to do uh, Admiral Akbar. It's a drop. <laughs> There's a lot to happen this yep. weekend, not only in Tuscaloosa, but all across this great country. It is. It Once you figure something out, three other crazy things happen. And, and it's can't wait to see UCLA go. Oh, and four. Or something <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something there is going to be. I will say, I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be somebody that we're like, all right, th- this is going to be one of the elite teams and they're going to have a really bad week. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, that's like the way it's going to go. We said that with Florida State. We yeah. were recording with Bro, and I brought up an overreaction, quote unquote, that I had for one of the segments. And I said, Is Florida State a top five team? And both of you, you said yes immediately. Bro said offensively yes. She still had mm-hmm. pitching questions. And they go out and go one and four in sure. Clearwater. Right. So it's, <laughs> once you figured out the question, the answer is they change the questions. That's how it goes. Mm. That's us rounding through. <laughs> yes. Nothing changes with the segments because it's time, Tom, to head home. Yes. Uh, We're finally home. Very excited. Couldn't be more happy. We've got a lot. Our SEC top five power rankings and off the wall and maybe a slight Tom's hungry, but I'm mainly excited for off the wall. Off the wall. Yeah. I'm excited for the clues. I I hear there are clues. I don't know what they are. Get your magnifying glass out. Yes. Have the meddling kids ready to go. This won't be like McDonald's Monopoly where it's rigged where people can't win, right? Oh, no, this is a real thing. Okay, this is actual happening. I can't leave the koozies at home when we're at home, right? Right, you'd hope not. That would be a new level of gray stupidity. (laughs) Anyway, it's time to head home here on the Out of the Box podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. got one more second we're heading home (laughs) we're on our way yes we're getting in the car it's time to go let's talk about what we've done already we're at the plate we had our first and hopefully only therapy session Mm. of the year and i think we 
we said what we what we needed to say. We we were uh, logical, which is a a, uh, a departure from what we see yeah. most of the time. We're not going out saying the team is trash, saying they're terrible. No, we're no. we're acknowledging the issues, and we are providing possible answers. That's all we can do. But at the end of the day, it is up to the team, mm-hmm. and I believe they will turn it around. Then we advanced to first, talked about just the crazy insanity crap upside down, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. what is going on? Who knows? That's called softball in 2020. And that's, and that's one thing, one of the main points, if you're watching this sport right now in an Alabama bubble, you are not realizing that what's going on at Alabama is going on across the nation. Right. Everyone yep. has some issues. Everybody like, except kind of UCLA, but even then Florida state started a freshman and brought in Sander Cock in relief and UCLA it took a dropped ball. Now, to be fair, the the left fielder did run very hard into the wall, but yeah. she had the ball in her mitt, and if she's able to secure the catch, Florida State beats UCLA last night. Yeah. So who knows what's really going on? I I was shocked when Florida State threw who they threw, but it worked out, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Then we stole second with Sydney Littlejohn, and then we rounded third. And talked about the Mary Nutter, as you just heard. Now it's time to head home. And we start with our SEC top five power rankings. Tom, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go ahead. You go first. My number one is LSU. I think the Louisiana win is good. I've been very impressed with their freshman. Pleasance is crushing it. And they needed that power threat because they lost the Sanchez's. The big hole was, okay, who's going to be the dominant hitter in the box? And things aren't perfect. Lee Andrews hasn't had the batting average you'd want. Savannah Stewart, same deal. Shelby uh, Sinceri, a little cold at the plate as well, but the pitchings looked really good early on, and the freshmen are, are picking up the slack offensively, so they're my number one right now. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to go with LSU at one, splitting the week, the, the home and home with Louisiana. Uh, the Raging Cajuns are a very good team, so I was – I was happy to see them at least win their home game in Baton Rouge in that matchup. And I was in, I've been impressed with what I've seen in the circle. Cause that was my bigger question for the Tigers entering this year. So uh, we'll see if they can keep it going. But right now I'd have to put them at number one, too. Number two, I'm going Missouri just because of who they've beaten. I do not think that will stay. Hmm. They're playing maybe the best softball of anybody right now. They've just lost a couple games and one of the losses to Minnesota is pretty ugly. So they're my number two, but they've got some good wins under their belt. The way that they lost the last two games, though, they may have been coming down to earth there. The the fact that they got hammered pretty pretty good by Minnesota it gives me a little bit of a pause to put them in number two. I might drop them to number three and maybe put. What did Georgia end up in uh, Clearwater? Georgia was two and three. They were two and three too. So, yeah, I guess I guess just by default you have to put them in number two. Now that I think about it, that's not a good sign for the conference. No, if we're struggling to find a number two, right. Yikes. Yeah. So you're putting Missouri too? I think I'll put Missouri too. All well. right. Number three, I've got Alabama. A lot of that is because of how they beat Washington. Yep. And I, maybe a little bit of bias just because I know what this team is capable of and I've seen the really good moments. I, I We didn't really talk about it. The Washington win was great and it was perfect, but it was also the Alabama we've expected all year. Right. We've seen Alabama play to their potential maybe two and a half games this season which is disappointing, but a sign of a lot of great things. So I do have Alabama number three because of that. Yeah, and now you think about it, too. They had a five-run lead against Florida State, mm-hmm. had a four-run lead against North, uh, against North Carolina, lost those two games in the seventh inning, but they, they played well enough to win both those games yeah. offensively. They just had a really bad inning 
pitching wise in both those games. Uh, and, and then, and the defense was just all over the place in, in Tallahassee. So you put that together with the run rule victory over Wisconsin uh, against Washington. Uh, I think Alabama played well against Liberty in game number one, which was, you know, we didn't talk about it a whole lot, but, and Liberty ended up 0 five, but that was the first game of the, pretty much the first game of the entire tournament that weekend, eight thirty start very early to get things rolling and came out and played pretty sharp at that matchup against, against the flames. So I, I think we have seen them play well at times. It's just, the losses have been magnified because of who they're against. You know, the, the fact that you played UCLA national TV, you knew everyone was watching that game and Montana Fouch just didn't, didn't have it and got yourself in a hole. You couldn't get out to start off with Oklahoma state. I think that was a, a case of you were kind of, kind of tired. I think, I think the team was just, it was worn out by then uh, playing the fifth game in three days. It just, and against such tough level opponents, Oklahoma state's good. So I think that can factor into it as well. So I, I think it's this is another case where Alabama is not as bad as the record indicates that they are, but they'll and they'll get it turned around talent wise. So I, I agree, putting them at three. All right, number four, I've got Florida, just because again I yeah. really struggled to put someone there. Right, I think I would put Arkansas at four. Hard to make a true judgment on them because they haven't played the schedule that everybody else seems to have played yet in the conference, but. Uh, I'll put them at four and put Florida at five. Okay, and five, I've got Kentucky. Again, Enigma, though. They probably should have beaten Arizona State one of the times. I mean, Humes is struggling, as we expected, and consistent in the circle. Ballman pitched really well in one of the losses to Arizona State, but then gave up. Uh, Kentucky had that one of those games. I think it was the second game, won twice. They dropped a fly ball in center field, and that allowed a tying run to score in the seventh. And then Ballman, with two outs, Gives up a three-run home run after Kentucky scores three in the top of the eighth. Oh, so I right. don't know. And they also had that game against Boise State, yeah, which, which is just we unbelievable. Even talked about right. So they Kentucky beats Boise State sixteen to fourteen in a game that they gave up two grand slams in the same inning to the Broncos. I don't know if I've ever seen a team give up one, much less two grand slams in a game and lose it. I I bet that. I bet that uh, that's sad. I know there's one of those stats where in a football game, if you block a kick, you win like 95% of the games in which you block a kick in. Mm. Uh, I, I think uh, there's probably a stat like that for grand slams given up because it's, it's very hard to win games that you give up a grand slam, much less two in the same inning. And Kentucky was able to do that. But the fact you do that against a team like Boise State, who's Boise State, I don't, you know. Yeah. How do you think we would do in a game like that? 16-14, 11 combined walks. Oh, it would be similar to that Murray State game than in Troy that we yeah. had last year. I would make multiple references to alcohol. <laughs> this game <laughs> is drunk. It was, oh my gosh. Now, I Like my, uh, my reference to Chappelle that the, only a certain number of people get is from his stand-up when he's, he's talking about going up to a cop and asking for directions to Main Street while standing on Main Street. <laughs> and that's and, and and the reason why he did that being in the state that he was. And I think that's kind of the same thing was going on in all of college softball right now. It's crazy. One might say college softball's off the wall, Tom. Oh. That's that is a professional segue. Thank you. It's well done. Before we get to the true off the wall, which is what this segment's about, I would like to give a special shout out to our friends at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. I said earlier that the South Carolina loss to Washington was weird. That's because midway through, Tom, the lights went out. Oh, 
someone forgot to pay the power bill. Right. Maybe it was what's that scene in Airplane? The guy up in the uh, the tower unplugs it and <laughs> knocks out all the lights on the runway and right. says, "Whoops, well Whoops. that guy was loose at field eight. It's just uh, somebody plugged in one too many power strips, and there's, there it goes. There's not enough not enough cords. No, this that facility does should not be hosting that. that Great event. event. Oh, the event is awesome. Yes, there's like having that type of a tournament in the pre-conference to get people thinking and talking about softball is great. I love the, uh, I love the idea. The facility needs, it needs to change. Needs a touch up needs just a couple more yards around everything. Right. More space. Well, and it it can't accommodate the level of interest there is for the event. Right. That there would be, if you held that event in Oklahoma city, where that, I mean, at, at that, at the stadium, at, at the Hall of Fame stadium, you, I think it would work better. Right? I could see it. I don't know where else you could go. Right. But you don't want, you don't want to be in Oklahoma City in February, though. Right. So I understand. But there's got to be. But, but a place like that. Yeah. How, how does Disney not have a place in Orlando where you could have done this tournament? Surely. Surely they have one in that, in the ESPN. Maybe an Eric Lopez court. question. Yeah. When we do our. Round two of out of the box in the circle cross <laughs> another crossover, which yes. I'm sure will be coming up soon. There's, I mean, there's just got to be somewhere else you could do that. It's it's a nice rec field, but you're basically playing at a rec field. Yeah, not enough bathrooms for everybody. No. And they did add bathrooms. They they brought in temporary ones, but that's still still not still enough. not enough. When when you've got players waiting on other players because they've got one set aside player coach bathroom, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Right. That, that's a, that's an issue. Getting to and from the fields is an issue. Uh, getting players to and from the field when you're going through the, the fans. Uh, I, there was one Alabama fan that I uh, was in a Twitter conversation with that said they went, but they probably wouldn't go again because there were games where they couldn't see because they couldn't, you know, right. it's first come first serve as far as where you sit. And if you don't get to the right place at the right time, you know, you're standing and, you know, can't see half the field. What was your line about? what our situation was behind the dish for the uh, Alabama UCLA game, an insult to clusters. Something like <laughs> yes, that. It, that whole thing was a, to call it a cluster would be an insult to clusters. It's crazy. Because like, not only are there not sufficient power outlets behind here, there's no covering. So it started to rain and all we could do was throw our jackets over the equipment and, you know, hope and pray. <laughs> so it was all that right. we could do. Uh, so there was that issue getting in position in between games because the game before us was Washington, Florida state. So there's huge interest in that game. And then when that game ends, everyone has to get out and the other people have to get in. It's just, it is not a good setup. It is not equipped to handle it. You gotta, you gotta either do major, major renovations to that facility or do this somewhere else. Yeah. Keep doing this event. This event is a great event. Yeah. Shout out to Megaronowitz and yeah. Michelle Smith and all the folks at ESPN that put it together. It's, it's fantastic. And the sport needs it, frankly, because yes. we don't do TV coverage for things like the Mary Nutter and the Judy Garman and all those other things, which they should, they should, uh, but they're, they may, I've never been to those, so I don't know. They may have the same issue with facilities there that they do at, at this one. But well, that's another thing, you know, people, if I just had a, if I was a major investor and had a lot of money, I would build a complex. Yeah. And host these type of things. I've thought about, you know, if there's a facility like that around Cooperstown, I think would be just oh, perfect. Be great. Yeah. But the thing is, you can't do that in February either. So you've right. got to, you, it's got to be in Florida or California. And I think you want to do it in Florida because 
it's, I think it's easier to attract the West teams to the South than it is to get everybody from the South to go out West. Right. Uh, do it. I just don't understand. I, Disney's got to have it or they got to be able to build it. Hope so. I'd li- I mean, I, I would like to go right. to this event again. Let's get to legit off the wall. That was okay. There was a lot we just covered there, but it's time for the actual off the wall segment. Tom. Oh, there's so many. Take it away, please. You go <laughs> first. Uh, my favorites have been uh, the people saying that Alabama's not going to make a regional. I think that, that's why people let's calm down. Alabama is number nine in the country with a four and five record. Texas A&M made a regional last year at 28 right. and 27. <laughs> yes. I, I, and I, their non-conference strength of schedule was, I think in the one tens. Right. So ah. yeah, Alabama's going to make a region. Alabama's going to be hosting a regional. I think Alabama's probably going to be in its top eight seat still. I, I, I still have, I'm not off that bandwagon at all. I think Alabama is still the favorite to win the SEC, frankly. There are issues, but there's plenty of time to get that fixed before you get into conference play. Alabama is going to make the tournament. Alabama is going to be a contender for the national championship this season. And I think it is absolutely ludicrous and, frankly, ignorant for people to get on social media claiming to be Alabama fans and to be saying that this team isn't going to make the NCAA tournament. It's flat-out stupid is all it is. I like dump. It. Yes. I'll pronounce the B in dump for this. It's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> so, that, again, we got so yeah. much material. I mean, my notes mm-hmm. this week, it's been a so whole many. thing. And you keep the receipts. I do. Um, also, I'll go ahead and say, talk about the other one. The one that you, uh, that you, uh, the link that you forward on Twitter. Oh yeah. Let's talk about this. Uh, so, and here is the problem with just journalism in general, that anybody can have a blog and get, quote unquote pub published and people think that they have any knowledge of what they're talking about. Uh, but there was an article that went through all the issues that are going on with Alabama and literally none of the opinions were correct. And I know I saying everyone's entitled to, to their opinion and there's a difference between having an opinion and having an informed opinion. This person obviously had no information on his opinion. And also he quote unquote publishes uh, without putting his name on things. Yeah. So that's a different thing. There were, yeah, I, there were a couple things in there which I thought, okay, sure. You know, it talked about some of the leadership things. We we've kind of touched on that. There were, but the way it was all phrased, I texted it to you and said the tone of this article is is toxic. Yeah, and that's not correct. And you know, it said uh, Coach Murphy made bad decisions taking out Fouts in the two games in Clearwater. Which no, if no, watching the game. It had to be done. Montana it, didn't have it. If anything, he may have left her in. A, he may have left her in a batter too too long. Yeah, certainly against UCLA. Yeah, it, you know, brought her but, in the second inning. As soon as she hit that batter, he and I both thought the same thing. I said it, and he came and made the change. She hit someone. That's not her. It's right. It's over. It, right. That's not happening. So there, there was, and but again, this was from a pay site that is supposed to give you Alabama information Mm -hmm. and uh i'm not even going to say who it was because i don't want anybody to go look at it and give the guy extra clicks uh but just to just to say bailey hemphill was not outgoing come on happy birthday bailey by the way it is her birthday as we record this it it talked about a wtf moment for sarah cornell to go pinch run in one game i was thinking that who would you have sent out to pinch run in that situation mg anderson had already pinch run so she was not available Kyra can't Kyra's yeah Kyra can't run because of the knee injury you wanted to keep Taylor Clark back 
for a pinch hitting situation. Right. Who else is available? Heist can run, maybe, but she's but, not as fast as Sarah. Right. And if and we haven't been told this in any stretch. I I have no information on it. But if if you're thinking of redshirting Heish, then you know she can't run. Right. Crystal Goodman's not going to run in that situation. Who else are you going to put out there? I don't know. Alyssa, Alyssa Brown has a broken hand. <laughs> I guess she could run, but she no, you know, she we're can't. Not in there. I mean, she we're can't. Not there. Yeah, I mean, she's in a sling still. She can't run. Yeah. So it's just that type of stuff. You make a statement like that, having no facts or knowledge of the situation. It, it goes back to what we talked about in the very early days when we were so young of the first off the walls on this podcast. Mm -hmm. If you're going to follow the sport and make comments about the sport, watch the games. Yeah. We've said this about fans, committees, box scores. Don't tell the whole story. No. If you look at a four, one win for Oklahoma state over Alabama. Yeah. You might say, okay, that's disappointing. You, you didn't see the full story. You didn't see that Montana again. She got out of jam several times, but she still clearly didn't have it even early on. And you certainly don't blame the relief pitching when Lexi Hillfoyle comes in and is part of the reason why that she won freshman of the week in the conference because of how she pitched in those situations. Mm. It's certainly not, you know, just so frustrating because people that are casual fans and maybe aren't watching the games, but they are interested will go and read this type of stuff and think that that's what that's the case. Exactly. And that's not the case. No, you got to understand. And it, it doesn't have to be sunshine and rainbows. Like we said earlier, no, but just be right. Right. And have, and maybe come to a media availability. Yeah. <laughs> once when talk with Patrick Murphy. Yeah. Maybe, you know, that, that was the other case where someone had talked about the rat poison, the situation did you come and talk to any of the uh, the, uh, the players did have you had any interaction with anybody to think that that was really the case or are you just assuming that that is yeah. the case because it, Alabama's ranked number one and has lost five games you know what if you think rat poison is what the case is go talk to Patrick Murphy and ask him about his expectations see what happens yeah. see how he reacts see, see how much he enjoys talking about expectations oh my gosh in fact go back to episode one of this season <laughs> And we weren't even asking about it. I wasn't actually. asking it was about it. It was just the mention of the uh, word. The word, 100%. All right, I'm going to go to mine real quick. Okay. Sorry I ran to two. No, minutes. no. I like <laughs> I like that you brought that up. That was good because it was crazy. And good good on, by the way, good on Christy Hemphill for making right. making some comments about that as well. She's in our corner. She likes this segment. Somebody on Facebook after the UCLA game. Now, now keep in mind, Alabama, look. D minus game against UCLA did not play not well. Good. Didn't make adjustments. Yada yada. UCLA really good. UCLA is really good. Megan Framo. I talked to Jen Schroeder. She said that was a really good performance from her. That's what happens when two really good teams play and one plays an A plus game and one plays a D minus game. Yeah, that's what happens. Now again, UCLA very good. Alabama still really good. And somebody on this game story or the game score somewhere posted that their granddaughter's JV school team could have beaten Alabama that day. Now I, I read that at first and I think, Oh, that's okay. I mean, you know, a little tongue in cheek, just being, you sure. just, just, just venting. They yeah. don't mean that. It's being sarcastic. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody responds to this person. This person says, no, really. And then names the school. And so I think, okay, wait, this person is serious. Must be some powerhouse school. Wow. I look it up. I won't say the high school. I don't want to. No, it's not their fault. I don't want to throw them under the bus. But their varsity last year was 16 and 17. 
So you're telling me an under 500 varsity team's JV squad <laughs> with the players that weren't good enough to be on that varsity team. Exactly. Right. They could beat Alabama that day just because UCLA, a really good UCLA team, beat them that day. And also the same day, Alabama run ruled USF. Let's let's not get our days mixed up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Quit overreacting. Good Lord. Uh, that is off the wall. That, that is so off the wall. But that's that might be the most off the wall thing I've ever seen. That's pretty much. To say that and mean it. Right. Come on. Well, these are the same same type of people that would say that there are college football teams that could beat the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that's not happening. No. Never. Mm-hmm. LSU, great team this year. They ain't beating anybody. The, the, the Miami Dolphins last year would beat LSU by multiple touchdowns. Absolutely. That's off the wall. Yes. I still can't believe this person said this. I can't believe it either. This is an actual thing that that happened. And a lot of the criticism I read was fair. There were some things sure. that I read. Now, I don't like the phrasing of it, but some of the things pointed out. Yeah, sure. Okay. And, I, the, uh, and, and as we always say, too, I will commend most of the comments were actually positive and supportive. Yeah. But some of the ones were crazy, and some people trying to give constructive criticism were just saying the usual, well, they couldn't get a hit. You know what? Thanks. Shut up. We were there. I don't understand also the people that have that, like, write novels as their comments and have really, obviously, really thought through everything. How they can gain all that knowledge by watching a game on TV, I don't understand. I don't know. Because, I I mean, they are inside the kids' heads. They are inside these players. They know. They're on the phone with Montana all day, every day. Skylar Wallace FaceTiming from the dugout. Which might be part of the issue with these, you know, (laughs) the players need to stop talking to these people. I don't, I don't know. The service wasn't very good at Clearwater. (laughs) I'm very surprised. Okay. That's off the wall. Anything you want to say for Tom's Hungry before we go on a Tom's Hungry hiatus for the next month? Right. Again, I, we apologize there. This is not from lack of want to, to get to more Tom's Hungry stuff. It's just the way the schedules have have worked out. We haven't been able to go to many of those local spots. Uh, we'll shout out uh, the Kilfoyles, the yeah. entire family. Uh, there were aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody that were there, and they were they did a lot of really good stuff. There was Greek food. There were fried gator. There was a lot of good stuff with the Kilfoyles. So that's probably number one on the list so far, and hopefully we'll get some more once we get back out on the road. But I'm kind of happy to not have to do Tom's Hungry because we'll be home for the next month. And on those road trips, I will have a car. Yes, that is so also huge. That's helpful. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Kilfoyles was good. It was good. Very good. Really good food. I enjoyed multiple things. The the sandwiches, the cheeses, everything. <laughs> there are meats and cheeses. Fried I'm not gator. I'm not 100% sure of everything that I ate, yeah. but it was good. I, I dove into one part of the buffet before I dove into the other part of that. <laughs> Time for us to wrap this bad boy up. And before we go, let's uh, let's drop some breadcrumbs. Let's give the people what they want. Greg. Give the people what they want. We are back in roads, which means it is time to give away free crap. Yes. Swag, or as Michael Scott would say. Stuff we all get. Correct. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start with some koozies this weekend. I'm going to have five koozies. I will either give them to Tom or I will have them for myself. And we will give away five koozies, one koozie per person, to... People that come up to us, not during the game. Yes. If we have headsets on and are talking to either each other or to somebody that you can't see, that's not the time to come up and talk to us. Or if, you know, people are playing, don't right. come up there. Yeah, but that's right now. After the game, prior to the game, come up to us and say, I follow at out of the box underscore pod and maybe show it 
or maybe do it while you're there. Mm-hmm. And we'll give you a koozie. Absolutely. Follow us on Twitter. A lot of people watching the videos, but only I think we're hovering around 700 followers. Let's go Twitter. ahead and go ahead and hit hit that follow. Smash that follow button. <laughs> that's the kids say. Yes. Right. Anyway, that's the clue. Add out of the box underscore pod. Say it to us. Not while we're on the air. Please, Lord, not while we're on the air. Right. But after or before the games. And we'll give you a koozie. You can drink your beverages with it. And don't forget, we'll be in separate uh, separate booths yes. this weekend. Yes. But you'll, you'll have some in yours. I'll have some in mine. Correct. So come by. We'll give away some koozies. Let's wrap this up, Tom. All righty. You post lots of good material. Where can people find it? You can go that to T Canterbury RTR on the Twitter at T Canterbury, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y-R-T-R. Every once in a while, I try not to engage the people on the off the wall type things. But it'll happen from time to time when I just yeah. can't can't help it. Me too. I did the other night. Yeah, it probably shouldn't have. It wasn't good. But I'm, had to. I'm at Gray underscore Robertson on Twitter at G-R-A-Y <laughs> underscore Robertson. Somebody responded with the sunshine and rainbow saying, say, gosh, who's signing your paychecks? And I said, nobody. Yeah. I don't get paid. Shockingly, no. I, I don't get paid for any of the softball related things. No. So. You're a walk on and we appreciate yes, it. Yes. And, you know, I get paid in experiences and rings <laughs> fine by me i'm not going to complain about it and then at out of the box underscore pod of course i will say the crimson ties force at work does pay me yes they do but and i'm i'm a graduate of the university of alabama i want alabama to win every game that they play i think you can tell that from how i broadcast right but at the same time i think we're both fair and we're both you know we're both honest when things aren't going well no, or about how lie. things go yeah. Absolutely. But I think it's also, it's not, one, it's not helpful. Two, it's not entertaining or enjoyable to just be as negative as people seem to want to be, especially on social media. I don't, I don't understand why anyone would want that. May, I guess we have to do a game as the two elderly gentlemen from the Muppets. Yes. <laughs> we will do a game as Stadler and Waldorf up on the, on the balcony. Whoa, rise ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that will not. I don't think that'd be fun. I don't no, know why anyone want to listen to that. So get off, get off us, please. Come on, people. And uh, if you want to listen to the games this weekend, where do yes. people find you, Tom? Just Sorry. me. Yeah. Just me. We'll have it for you. Uh, if you're in Tuscaloosa and if you're listening over the air on the radio, 93.3 uh, FM has all the uh, action for you. And then uh, if you are listening to us streaming wise, best way to do it, would just go to rolltide.com and on the schedule page, there is a listen live link for every game. And you can hit that. Uh, also, stay up to date with uh, Alabama softball on their Twitter and Facebook as well. Tournaments. There's probably going to be schedule changes. There's going to be different start Rain. times. There's going to be stuff happening. Uh, so that's going to keep you up to date there. So if you turn on, like, say, you know, the first game against Wichita State supposed to be at 4 o'clock, 3.50 airtime. You turn on 93.3 at 3.50 if the praise is still rolling. Uh, check the Twitter and Facebook, see if there's been a schedule change time moving uh, with games in front of us. Yeah. And if you want to watch it on TV, but mute it and listen to Tom, you can still watch it on SEC network plus <laughs> with me and Sydney, little John. And uh, at least you at can least, flip back and forth. Yeah, I'll, it's unmute fine. It when we sure. do the coaching interviews, cause I have a <laughs> really good feeling about our interview with Murph. It's yeah. Gonna be fun. That'll be good times. Yeah. And, and really excited to see uh, Morgan Lashley back in town this weekend. Oh my gosh. So pumped. Yeah. We missed you, Mo. A, a, uh, one of the uh, biggest members of Bama U coming back. She was, of course, the graduate assistant with Alabama the last couple of years, but in the first year pitching coach now for Wichita State. And, you know, they're, 
they're under 500 right now, but you could already see, you know, pitching has gotten better in the off season in the first couple of weeks at Wichita state. So she's going to do great. She's going to do outstanding. We can't wait to see her. Can't wait to see you, Morgan. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We all know where we're going to be on Thursday night, so <laughs> hopefully everybody will meet us there. Thank you to Sydney Littlejohn for joining us here on this episode, and thank you to all of you loyal listeners. That's it for this episode of the Out of the Box Podcast. Next week, we'll have a mailbag episode. Ooh. So send in some questions, and we will do our best to answer them in one of the segments. Again, we will all do right. our best. Yes, we can't answer all Unless nobody sends anything in, then we'll just answer one or two. I'll just write. <laughs> we'll just do our own. But hopefully people will send some in because there's lots of questions. Mm-hmm. We don't have all the answers. But we barely have any, but we'll do our <laughs> best. We're finally back home this weekend. Thank goodness. Tom's doing radio. As you mentioned, I'll be on SEC Network Plus with Sydney Littlejohn and Rachel Bobo Calhoun all weekend. It's going to be a blast. Don't miss it. Thank you so much to everybody for listening to the podcast here in Season 2. Make sure you listen back to the uh, previous week's episode with Caleb Rowe as well. We've got so much more coming this year, so keep tuning in. From our partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. We'll see you this weekend at the Rhodes House and next time on Out of the Box. 